All right, today is Tuesday, May 24th. The year is 2022. This is No Easy Answers, and I am your host, Jules Taylor. Today, like always, I have no easy answers for you. Today, we have Dan Arl on the show, and man, I've, I'm such a fan of what you do, man. I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. And, uh, you know, I know you, Dan, from your books and the podcast you were hosting called Danthropology. And uh, you've been heralded as a secular activist, and, and I, I do mean that in the most flattering sort of way. Uh, I've always kind of admired the way that uh, you were a secular activist, but yet you maintained a distance from names like Dawkins and Harris, um, who seem to sort of have this uh, assholeish tint to their uh, sort of approach to atheism. Um, you, not so much. I've always really admired the way that you have gone about that business uh, in a way that's... Uh, you know, compassionate, but still very logical, rational. Um, so, but we're not actually talking about any of that today. Um, today, what we're speaking about is digital privacy and specifically how that relates to a world after Roe v. Wade. Um, so before we get into all of that, uh, I did want to ask you, brother, like, how did you come to pivot into digital privacy from the world of secular activism? Sure. So that's actually pretty good question because it does it's there couldn't be any less related um but honestly for me it was i've always been like a tech a tech geek and a a nerd as far as that goes like like even when i was coming up through like the writing and stuff i was working for tech companies and computer repair and i used to build computers and i worked for like an apple repair place for a long time so tech's always been a big thing for me so that was just like more of a hobby so here i am writing doing exactly this work and then buying the latest gadgets and learning them uh but started getting more and more aware of you know how we were becoming the product so it's cool all these things are free but how are they free and Mm. sure like i get that ads work but how much of my info do they need to know to sell an ad and it uh really became you know cambridge analytica was like that big like big spotlight put on how data is being used to manipulate people, how to exactly target certain things they want you to see and when. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole on my own and was like, Mm. okay, I want to change how at least I do things. Like I want to be more aware of the the stuff I'm using and how I'm uh, participating in the internet. And uh, because I, I write and I share everything I'm doing, it sort of became like a, I'm going to catalog this. So I had like a quick, like Twitter thing for a while where I was like, I'm leaving Google. Here's how I'm doing it. Here's what I'm replacing this with and trying this and uh, stumbled onto these great sites with resources. And then decided one day, like I'm going to build my own site that does this thinking literally it would just be like a page. I would reference it once in a while and it just gained traction and traction. And I ended up writing for different uh, privacy organizations uh, just on the basis of the fact that I could write and was recently, it yeah and you know this little side hobby became bigger (laughs) wow well that's super cool man you know it's um you know i I just saw an article i think this morning actually about how there's some sort of way they're working on to enable you to have a conversation with a loved one that's already passed on based upon uh, based upon like the accumulation of data that they have on that person And, and i think there's um you know, there's some ethical sort of 
quant there's some ethical issues that arise with that. Like what happens with your data after you're dead? What happens to, you know, uh, the millions of people who are on Facebook that are no longer living? Like what happens with all this data is a big question mark. And, um, I believe in episodes, uh, I had an episode where I spoke to some deaf doulas some people who coach people through end of life transitions. And, um, I did not expect the ethical conversation to come up as far as like what we do with data at that point. Um, so I think, uh, the things you're studying, uh, become more relevant every day. And I'm really happy to get a chance to talk to you about something that's pertinent to the days that we're living in here um, regarding the things that you're specializing in and studying now. Um, so, you know, just to get right into it, man, um, what we're talking about is, you know, how one would go about obtaining an illegal abortion uh, while not leaving a digital paper trail or a digital trail of crumbs that could lead to incrimination uh and, you know, I have a whole bunch of questions on this stuff, um, but starting with sort of the basics, uh, let's talk about, say, text messaging. Um, I know that a lot of folks use things like Signal or Telegram or WhatsApp even, um, but I'm wondering first, like, how secure are plain old text messages and is there any advantage to using something like Signal or Telegram? Does they claim to be encrypted? Yeah, so there is. So. Um, if you're an iPhone user, you know, the whole like green versus blue message. So if like, if I, if I'm an iPhone user, I'm texting an Android, I get that green. That is like a, um, a plain regular, like MMS text or SMS. Uh, those are very unsecure. Like, mm. uh, you know, like when you sign up for like Facebook or Gmail or anything like that, and you set up two factor authentication, some will be like, well, we can text you a code. Those are really unsafe. Cause if I have the right setup, on my computer, I can actually intercept that text coming through to you. Oh, wow. And so if you watch uh, Mr. Robot, the, the TV show that was on for a while, there's a scene where he's phishing somebody. He's sending emails to a company trying to get them to click a link. When they click it, they get the 2FA code sent and he's intercepting it. And that's real life. That wasn't like some like Hollywood sci-fi thing. It's not that difficult. It's just like a, uh, you need to get like a... Um, little almost tower of your own that can pick up those signals coming through and you read it because they're, they're just sent unencrypted. They just get blasted out. Now, if you're on an iPhone, you know, like the blue messages, those are actually encrypted. So if you and I are texting back and forth, the iMessages are encrypted uh, on our phone. So when you unlock your phone, it unlocks your encryption, but they do have to go through Apple servers and you don't really own like, if they're stored on an Apple server and the and the feds want to go subpoena, they can get that. And Apple's going to be like, all right, well, you have a subpoena. Here's the servers. Uh, so they're not encrypted in the same way that like Signal is, where mm -hmm. Signal, there's zero knowledge. So with with Signal, I have I have my phone, and on my phone, I set up my Signal account. It creates the encryption key, which is like a very long string of letters and numbers that have to be used to unlock that message. And if you don't have that key, the message is unreadable. And you have a key on your phone and we're sending signals back and forth and everything's going through the signal server. But if the feds show up at signal and say, I have a subpoena for all of Dan's messages, they can say, all right, well, here's the server. And what they're going to get is a bunch of gibberish. They can't unlock hmm. it. They can't open it without the key. They need the key off my phone. 
So they would need to get access to my phone, unlock it, get into signal to see any message I've sent. Uh, so that's like, that's the most secure way to do this. Like signal bringing in end to end encryption and them having zero knowledge. So they can say, yeah, we know Dan has an account. He signed up with this phone number on this day. Uh, but they can't tell you really anything else past that. Like that's all they can see. They can't see the rest that's happening. Uh, there's a little metadata in there, which you'll hear some debates like, oh, there's like, yeah, you know what? For some people, I bet signal is not secure because there's like, there's journalists out there who have the government trying to capture them for certain things. Uh, and I, and you know, I, I mean worldwide, but the, the metadata that we're sharing back and forth, if I was texting you saying, Hey, like my wife and I are trying to secure an abortion. Can you help? They can't, they can't get that. They might be able to see that you and I conversed, but they have zero evidence of what we talked about and they cannot see it without physically getting our device. Huh. Uh, and so that's really it. Telegram, same concept, except Telegram isn't end-to-end encrypted by default, as so many people think it is. So if I, you and I opened up a Telegram and just started chatting, it's not encrypted unless we go in and set encryption. And so a lot of people make that mistake of thinking, I can say anything on here. And it's not, and especially in groups. And so especially like if you're organizing a group chat about people who are helping uh, get access to uh, morning after pills or birth control pills and these things, and you're in a group setting, those aren't encrypted. And so if you'll, if you'll see all the time, like white nationalist groups have their whole telegram strings published to the web, it's because people just go in there and take it. There's no, it's not hard to get. They're not encrypted. They're not secure. WhatsApp is actually end-to-end encrypted. Wow. Your device is what unlocks it. Uh, so on paper, they're just as safe to use. And they use Signal's encryption technology that's open source. But it is still owned by Facebook. So you do have to take in a lot of trust that there is no redundancy. They're not being stored somewhere where your key is actually stored as well, where they can go get that. Um, that hasn't been tried in court so far, as far as I know. So like, you know, a lot of this stuff gets called out, you know, these bluffs come out when you get taken to court and they're like, Oh, here's all the files we had. Um, or they go to court and they're like, look, I have, here's, here's all the files we have. There's nothing. Have at it. Have fun. Um, and so I tell people to stay away from WhatsApp only because look, it is owned by one of the largest collectors of personal data out there. Uh, while it might be safe, why risk it? There are alternatives out there that aren't owned by it. Move off. Now, look, I get it around the world. People use WhatsApp because it's, it's free. It lets them communicate globally. So if you're using it and you know, like, look, if if this got out, like maybe it's embarrassing, but it's not going to do anything and cause me harm. Have at it, you know, know your threat model, know what, what's at risk. It works. People use it worldwide. I have WhatsApp on my phone because I know people that just use it and that's the only way I can get to them. Uh, But I don't look at it as, oh, I can use this to securely send them this really confidential thing. If they need something like that, I'm going to use a different method. Uh, So, yeah, I would say, you know, if you're looking at that right messenger to use, Signal's the way to go for sure. Gotcha. All right. So Signal's the way. Maybe Telegram if you can set the encryption and settings. Um, So maybe this is a dumb question, but then Facebook Messenger just has no place in this conversation. for Please don't use Facebook Messenger. Um, There is encryption in there, again, but it's not unlocked by your device. So while Facebook claims i can't see your messages well yeah they can't because like if i'm just an employee i can't just go in and be like oh that's what they're saying 
But Facebook as a company can open those messages if they need to. Gotcha. And by need, they can say we have a policy that we don't do this, and I, and we can believe them, and they can actually follow through. But the second a warrant shows up at their door, yeah. their hands are tied. They do have to follow the law. Like mm. we 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 shouldn't expect companies to be the activists for us. They're just their corporations are not going to. So right. don't don't expect that. <laughs> right, right. So um, is there anything to the usage of say disappearing messages? I think uh. Snapchat offers that, um, a couple other programs offer that. Um, but I'm wondering if you have any information about the actual disappearing part of that. Like, are those messages still retained? Probably same situation where they could be obtained via subpoena. They are so like, so with signal, they offer disappearing messages. Those ones are perfectly safe. And the nice thing about those is that if you and I are chatting and it is something we don't want the feds or government or anybody to see, and they're disappearing. If someone got my device and unlocked it, they're not going to see them because they disappeared. Where if we don't have them disappearing, they can go back and look at our whole history. Right. So those that there is a benefit to that. Yeah, they are actually going to be for at least a certain amount of time still stored on a signal server. But again, they're end-to-end encrypted. Only your device can unlock it. So you don't have to worry about a third party being able to come in and take that. Uh if I now I don't I don't use Snapchat I don't follow them too closely but I do remember a whole thing with them having disappearing messages that were still stored and mm. there's they're not encrypted they're stored on their server like their servers I'm, I'm I don't mean to say their servers aren't secure they have encryption on their servers you just don't own the rights to that encryption they do so they can go in and open it they can go in and see it and so uh, you just need to know who's storing your data so. Don't use Snapchat to uh, send very secure things because if the feds want it, they can see it. Right. Um, so basically, and, you know, like disappearing messages. Yeah, it's just signal the whole way is what we're getting to at this. Signal point. the whole way. There are look. I could sit here and tell you five other options, but I'm I'm looking at ease of use here. You download Signal, you can sign up like that. Uh, I can tell you about Matrix and sessions and all these lots more setup. A lot more technology is needed. They're out there. If you're like, look, I don't want to give Signal my phone number. Well, there's other options. Uh, but Signal is like the way to go. Like, giving someone your phone number isn't going to be the thing that gets you pulled into court. And they could say, look at this because it's secure and it's locked down. Right. All right. So Signal the whole way, man. Um, so, you know, one thing I've noticed, man, um, just, you know, I've been reluctant to sort of engage with TikTok and, uh, you know, I finally downloaded it and I was like, this is a pretty cool program, you know, but you know, at the time, like the backstory is I, I just moved across the country, right? I just moved from New York to Texas. And in the last sort of three weeks I was in New York, um, you know, I was, I was in the process of packing up and moving and my partner at the time were discussing our relationship, intimate details, little bit of fighting what have you right um tiktok basically started offering up like videos for me that were about relationships and leaving and starting over and it was maybe the most clear indication to me that this app uh is just recording or listening all the time um so what I mean by to ask you in all of this, right, um, is like how intrusive are apps like TikTok on your phone? Like, do they listen all the time? I think we've all had one of those experiences where 
we're talking about, I don't know, like a, a new set of sneakers or something. And all of a sudden we get a targeted ad for a set of speak, uh, sneakers. And it's way too specific to what we were talking about to, uh, you know, at least I think all of us have had an experience that way. Um, so what can you tell us about like, I don't know, maybe specifically TikTok, but um, about the sort of intrusive uh, nature of a cell phone recording you uh, like as an always on recorder towards target ads. Like what can you tell us about perhaps limiting that sort of thing? Sure. So it's, uh, it's an interesting one because so from the research I've done and some of the stuff I've read, it's been pretty fairly debunked that your phone is actually listening and selling ads based on what you're saying. Okay. Uh, and now look, that doesn't mean like, so Android and iPhone work very differently. Uh, iPhone really sandbox every application so that they can't do things without your permission. They can't access other parts of the app. You'll hear Facebook complaints about it all the time. Facebook wants to know what you're doing on this app so they can sell you an ad in theirs. And Facebook blocks them off. They build a wall around it and say, no, you can access what they're doing in your app. But when they leave it, you're cut off. Uh, Android, they allow a lot more different kinds of apps to come in. They do have rules, but it's not as um, fine-tuned, in my opinion, that it, it does allow for apps that you say, hey, you can record my voice when I'm doing this, that it might record a little bit more than it's supposed to. But uh, all in all, your phone isn't really listening and selling an ad to you. The tr truth is actually a bit more horrifying as far as I'm concerned, mm. because really what's happening is we're having like, okay, so we can use your, um, you know, you're having these intimate conversations with your partner and deciding what are we going to do? Um, and your behavior, where you're going, uh, the amount of time your phones are spending with each other and then apart, uh, maybe you're spending a bunch of time with your partner discussing your relationship, but then you guys go apart and they are Googling some stuff that you've talked about, like, how do you how do you uh, overcome sadness? How do you deal with this kind of thing that's happening in my relationship? Something like that, and they're they're looking or they're texting a friend about it, or using uh, Facebook Messenger or things like that to uh, have these conversations. And you're possibly doing the same thing, and you're not even really fully conscious of it. But like you're doing, this, you're going places, you're online shopping uh, for things that like would be targeted towards like. Oh, this is something nice I would buy for a partner who I'm trying to win back or uh, say I'm sorry or anything, you know, things like that. Those all come together and build a profile and they're insanely intrusively accurate mm -hmm. where it starts building a network of who you're seeing. So like the truth is like, if I'm talking about shoes and I want to buy shoes, I go to a shoe store. I make that in Google shoes. I'm just out and I'm like, you know what? I need a pair of Vans. And I'm like, there's a Vans store down the street. I drive to it. Boom. They knows I was at the Vans store. Because a lot of your apps, you just say, oh yeah, you can know my location all the time. You know, iPhones ask you always on or only when I'm in the app. And most people just click always on. It's easier. Yeah. So yeah, you just go ahead. It's on, it's on, it's on, it's on, it's on. And then that suddenly you've given Facebook permission to know where you are at any given time. You've given your map application permission to know where you are at any given time. And it starts to build data around that. And so it knows the stores you're going to. It knows how long you're there. It knows the other phones you're near and how often you're near them. So it builds your relationships that, oh, you're near this phone a lot. I bet you two live together. Mm -hmm. 
oh, you're near this phone once in a while, but it's during the hours of nine to five. I bet you work together. You're with this one once in a while at night, and it's usually at a bar or it's at this thing. I bet you guys are just friends. And it starts to build your relationship to those people and triangulates a whole, like, think Charlie Day and the red line. Yeah, meme. yeah, like, right. The ad people are building that all the time. And that's how much they know about you literally every day. And so they use that to build those ads that start to come into what your needs are. And it, it starts to feel like they're listening. And they're, they're even like, I didn't even say shoes. I thought about it and they knew. Yeah. But you were at the mall and you walked into a footlocker and they knew. Wow, man. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that, that's horrifying. You're right, man. Um, you know, and, and it brings the question to mind in, in I mean, cause we're talking about how to go about obtaining a legal medical service at this point. And, uh, so, but I, but I hesitate in this sense because I, part of me feels like the safest thing would be to, if you're going to go get an abortion, leave your phone at home. But that's also kind of putting you in a whole other sense of danger as well. Um, you know, it, it always, at the end of the month, I get this little Google report that shows all the places that I've driven. And that to me is a little terrifying, uh, that I can go about my life with my phone in my pocket and just forget where I've been or what I've done throughout the course of a month, but it's all there in a recap. Um, so what do we do about this, man? Is there any sort of way to like, I don't know, maybe disable location tracking or something to that end or, uh, any way to disable these specific features uh, to where, I mean, something as simple as like making a trip down the road with your phone. Is there any way to carry your phone with you and not have that tracked? So you can turn off things like GPS, which are the, that's your precise location. That's how it's going to give you directions to get somewhere. You can swap that off. Uh, you know, different phones have different settings, but you can turn off location services per app. So like on an iPhone, you can easily go in and turn off like, nope, this app is not allowed to know my location. This app's only allowed to know my location if I opened the app. So I've engaged with it and I want to know. Um, I mean, you can turn off location services in, in Google Maps. Like you're open up and it's just going to give you a big giant view of the world. And you have to physically say like, I want to go from here to here. Uh, I would say to start with, don't put Google Maps on your phone. Mm. Uh, I don't use Google Maps. There, I, I mean, I tend to use these Apple Maps. Uh, but there are open street maps and there are like, uh, open source alternatives. Uh, I use Apple because that's just slightly more private, but if I'm, if I'm going somewhere that's risky, I've got GPS up or I've just got my whole phone turned off. Like, mm. like uh, yeah. Cause like the, the, you're right. Like, no, I, I wouldn't like, Hey, I need to go to the clinic. I'm going to leave my phone here. That's a terrible idea because we also know like at the clinic, there's going to be anti-abortion right. people. There. There's going to be people there that are, can harass you and could threaten uh, your life or more. And you may want to have that device to make that quick call. Uh, but you can turn it off. Uh, I mean, I, I, I come right to like last resort is depending on how, how bad the situation is. A burner phone works. Uh, like if you want to have a phone with you, but not like grab that $35 phone at 7-Eleven. I, I mean, that's a pretty extreme situation, but sure. yeah, you know, turn off uh, GPS, turn off those location services. Don't put it in the map where you're going. Like uh, maybe re re know, know the route you're taking and don't sit there and, and, and look up where I'm going because that there's going to be a log of that. 
And that's what you're trying to avoid is, is logging those things. Uh, I mean, you could go as far as saying like, okay, I know I'm going today. Delete the map applications off your phone. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a fair, I mean, it's, it's an annoyance because then you have to go get it later. But like little things like that, think about like, can I remove this from my phone right now? Do I know where I'm going? You'll all be fine without it. Take it off because you can delete all those apps. Uh, right. You know, and, uh, like I said, turn off GPS. And then if you have a VPN, which I strongly suggest everyone have, turn that on. So it, it puts your IP address in another country. You can just say, mm-hmm. well, I'm in Sweden today. Right. right. I'm, well, I'm just in a different state. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm in New Hampshire today. Um, and that way your IP, your ISP, they don't know where you are. That's, that's set somewhere else. And if you have GPS and location off, they're having a hard, much harder time putting to where you are. And honestly, at the end of the day, if they came, to, if they came up and said, we know you were here, you could be like, how do you know I was here? You have one thing that says I'm here. Another says I'm here. You, you know, your data is all over the map. You don't know where I was. Uh, yeah. And it makes me wonder, like, if you could, um, I mean, maybe you get the burner phone and you leave your location services on, you leave that phone at home. So that way, uh, you're home brought, all the time. <laughs> I'm home. I was home yeah. on that day, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. So, um, all right. So we're just, I'm just going down a list of different hit of points of things <laughs> that I thought that were, uh, of concern. Um, so payment history, I mean, maybe the beautiful part about finances in the 21st century is that we don't have to manually balance our checkbooks. Uh, that was a pain in the ass when we had to do that. And oftentimes there were errors and it's just a shitty sort of thing. Right. But, um, the flip side of that is that a record is kept of every one of our transactions, uh, unless we're using cash as a method of payment, but even then like the withdrawal of cash is, uh, kept on record as well. So maybe short of withdrawing a large amount of cash for the purposes of an abortion, uh, are, are there any e-payment methods that are safe in air quotes to use? That's a pretty difficult one because most payments, they need to keep a record of some kind because they also need to protect themselves against you saying that wasn't me. That was fraud. That was this. So you really do kind of find yourself in a pretty big bind as far as that goes, um, to touch back really quick. Like you talk about like those receipts, uh, that's a big one. Like if, if you don't, if people don't know this, like you go onto your search engine and type in like, uh, uh, Gmail receipt history. They, there's like, I, I don't know the exact link off my head. You're you can see, like, if you use your Gmail account, everything that you've bought through your Gmail, there's a receipt for it on a page that Google has. Wow. All of them. And, uh, so for starters, don't use Gmail. Uh, <laughs> I, I buy everything online through my personal email, which is run through Proton. It's like Proton Mail, uh, which is right. a secure end to end encrypted. I, they have they there's just like signal with zero knowledge they don't know what's in my email i only have the keys to it it's all secure so anything i buy the only record is what's on that site that was that was bought so like yeah you know if i go to amazon and buy something amazon has plenty of records of what i bought but proton has no idea so they can't like if they were to go to proton everybody what did he buy there's no receipt there they can't see it uh, but if i go to any store online, I still have to put in payment info. Uh, now, if you're, if this is tough because you're not paying for these things online, you know, like you're going to a clinic because like online payments, it's a little easier. There's sites like privacy.com where you can put your bank account on the back end and they give you a temporary credit card that works one time 
in one purchase and you can oh, kind wow. of run certain things through that. Um, but again, you're not, you're not going on to, you know, Planned Parenthood's website and prepaying for these things. You're, you've got to go and you've got to get your appointment, figure out all the things you need and things like that. So really like you do wind up in that situation where if I want no record, I need to show up with cash. Uh, another great alternative is, uh, I, I say great alternative. These aren't great. None of these are great because look at the situation that we're talking about. Like, yeah, yeah. But another alternative to this is going to Target and buying uh, like the Visa gift cards. Okay. So, you know, you, you know, you buy a $500 Visa gift card uh, and then you show up and that's what you're using because there's no history to that your card. You don't have to set up an account for it. It's like a gift card. You just walk in, you run it, it takes the money out uh, and you're good. Uh, obviously, if they really want to do the work and trace back who bought that gift card where, but again, you come down to like, again, like, do I just show up with cash there? Like how many steps do you want to put in between? Unfortunately, we're in that situation where like, we're trying to watch what, how the laws look. Yeah. What does this mean? Like how many steps do I need to put in? Is it enough to just go get a gift card, even on my debit card and go use it? And really I'm okay here. Or do I need to go get cash at the city next to us, go to a target at the city down here, leaving my phone at home and then showing up here and buying this. Like it's, you know, we, we don't know what that bridge looks like yet. Uh, and we also don't know what kind of, you know, I, we, we also have to take into account that, you know, the, the clinics and organizations that will be doing these are going to think about people's safety and privacy as well. So how are they processing payments? What are they doing to offer that? So there's a lot that remains to be seen around that part of it. But unfortunately, we're still in a time where like cash is the most secure, least traceable way to do any of these things. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said about VPNs, man, and how you highly recommend them, uh, you know, I wonder how effective VPNs are and how effective, like, private browsing windows are. Because, you know, you're supposed to, if you use a private window on your computer, I guess you can't, it doesn't remember your search, doesn't remember your websites that you went to, doesn't use any of your cookie save passwords, stuff like that. Right. Um so you're of the opinion that VPNs like are actually maybe uh, they work and uh, as advertised and uh, but as far as private windows like if someone who's trying to Google where to get an abortion uh, in a private window are any of those search results uh, could they come back to be used against them later? Yeah, so don't don't use a private window. Uh, <laughs> private window is great. If I'm at your house and I say. Hey, Hey, uh, my work just hit me up and I need to jump on a computer real quick and check my email. I'm so sorry. And you go, sure, go right ahead. I open up a private window. I can log in. I can type in my password. I can type in all those things. I can do all the work I need. The second I close it, the password's gone. The cookies are gone. All of it. So like, you can't open up a window and be like, Hey, I'm in Dan's work email. Awesome. Yeah. Let me mess with some coworkers. Like sure. that's, that's fine. It's really good. Like you're at the public library using the internet. A private window is great because you close it. And you don't have to be like, oh, no, did I forget to sign out of my email? No, it's gone. You're done. Your private window is over. Uh, but if I open up a private window, go to google.com, type in a search, it is logged on Google. So is my IP address, my location. Everything about the computer I'm using is all logged. The only thing that's private about a private window is my proximity to other people who can access that computer. 
So gotcha. there's nothing like on and out. I mean, unrelated to the the topic of Roe v. Wade, but like I see people at work all the time using it. They're at work on the work server, going through the work VPN. And they have a private window open, and they're doing you know, Facebook, and they're on eBay or Amazon. Ebay, I just dated myself. Um, and they're on all <laughs> these other shopping sites. <laughs> they're on Alta Vista, googling things. Uh, and uh, uh, they and they they honestly think that the work can't see it because it's in a private browser. Right, right. Um, no, none of that's true. It's all it's all going through. It's just on that computer. It's localized in a container and then dumped. And so uh, that's as far as private windows go. Um, if you want to Google something, don't ever use Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to Google something without a record, go to, I, I, I personally recommend startpage.com. Uh, the reason I recommend them is I think there's very little argument that Google is probably the greatest search engine out there. If you sure. want results, Google's going to serve them. I mean, They've done the work to spy on us and to search every cookie out there and index those websites. It's a great search engine. Like, there's no argument. Technology-wise, it's fantastic. But they know everything that you do. They know from the websites you visit to the websites you visit from inside those websites. And they keep a complete log of everything you search for. And when you go on your computer, your log's there. And it, it builds those search results based on what they know about you. Start page uses complete Google search but when you type in that search, everything about you is anonymized, sent to the Google server, and then fed back to you. And so uh, you go to a lot of sites and they will say like, you know, we don't log your full IP. So if your IP address is 123456789, they get rid of the 789. So they'll say, oh, all we know about you is it's 123456 and then the rest is X's or zeros. Start page, it's all zeros. They don't know anything. Hmm. There's no logging. So if I go on start page and I search for rabbits, I'm going to get all the results for rabbits in front of me. And then when I leave and the next person comes in, they don't know that like that next person isn't me. It's just a flurry of people searching for things. And they're sending the same generic info time and time again to Google and getting their results back. And uh, they do, they do this in partnership that they, they literally work with Google to make this search engine exist. Uh, and so like, it's, you know, it's not replacing big tech because they have to rely on big tech to work, but it's completely uh, private and there's, they can't log it to you. So if the feds show up there, which they have a hard time doing since they're located in the Netherlands. So, which have great privacy laws, by the way, wow. but um, so they're not a U.S. company. They have an office here, but they're not considered U.S. They're, they're a Netherlands company. Um, their their ceo is like just a piece of privacy not he's very like everything they do they they, they won't even offer a product if it can't be 100 percent anonymous wow. and they have things like um you go to on their uh, go on their search you type in uh clinics in my area you can actually click on something called anonymous view which then routes you through think of like going through a VPN or a Tor browser, even more anonymously onto the website you're viewing. Because once you click, if I go to start page or Google or anywhere, and I search for something, I click that link, I leave them and go to a different page. Once I'm on that page, that page can then be like, okay, this is your IP address. This is the country you're in. In start page, I click anonymous view. And when I get onto that website, it doesn't know who I am. My IP address is hidden. 
It's what's it's what start page is serving them. What computer I'm on is what start page is serving them. What country I'm in is what start page is telling them. So uh, again, now I'm suddenly viewing a website and they're they, they're clueless as to who I am. Huh. And I don't need to have a VPN on. I don't need to have a private browser open. I'm I'm private right through my search engine. Right. Uh, which is like a huge feature. And you know, there's there's I, I say start page, but you know, DuckDuckGo exists. Uh, and they're a private search engine as well. They do keep a short log of searches and they do keep partial um IP addresses. Hmm. Uh what I don't love about that is that just enough of that could be tied back to start building something. And so while it is still private and it's much more private than Google, they're not logging this as selling ads back to you. Uh, all their ads are contextual, which means if I start page is the same. Like if I search for uh, a band I like, the ads I'm getting are just based on that search term, not my history, not anything about it. So like, it's funny because I get right-wing ads all the time on these pages because I'm searching for politics. It doesn't know my politics. Huh. So if I'm searching for something political, it's like, uh, well, I guess uh, the next best ad closest, this is this ad. And it's so far from what I would ever click. Uh, but they know so li- they know nothing about me. So they can't be like, oh, well, okay, you're searching for this thing. Well, we know you're left-leaning. We know you like this. And we know you live here. Here's an ad relevant to somebody running for office. It's like, like I'll get restaurant ads and I'll be like, yeah, you know, I don't live in New Zealand. Like what's that's, that's useless. Uh, <laughs> nice. But that just goes to show like they don't have that info. And so what they rely on is like, I search for a term that's so ubiquitous that like the ad might be like, Oh, that's the thing I was looking for actually. Cause it doesn't matter where I'm located or my political leanings or anything like that. Like, Oh, I'm lo- looking up cool vacuums in my ads for, a Dyson. And I'm like, oh, actually that Dyson's the one I want. And I click their site. No. Uh, but that's a great way to take out that, that history. Now there's no search. My ISP doesn't even know what I'm searching for. That's an interesting because, thing. The ISP thing, man, just like if I, you know, go download a movie, uh, the ISP doesn't give a shit what I'm doing all month until <laughs> I go download a movie. And then they're like, we're yep. quarantining you for a bit. So it makes me wonder like, cause I, I, it doesn't make any difference if I use a private window for that. Um, you know, I, and everybody recommends a VPN uh, for that type of uh, task to download a movie or something like that. Um, so using DuckDuckGo or rather StartPage, you're saying that the ISP doesn't even have a record of that stuff. Right. So StartPage, wow. DuckDuckGo, I mean, almost every site these days uses what's called HTTPS. So yeah. you're t- it's a secure it's a secure website, uh, which means that you know if you so you go to cnn.com or that's a terrible suggestion, but go to like uh, <laughs> <laughs> so whenever my internet goes down and I'm like, is it working? I always go to CNN because it's three letters. Yeah, and it's like I, oh my internet's not working. This page won't load. Uh, yeah. as much as I hate <laughs> so them, it's, it's always, like the first uh, auto suggestion on my phone yeah. is CNN as well. Yeah, yeah. um, but uh. So you've got, you know, the website URL slash whatever you're going to. If um, so, God, why can't an example come to me? But like, okay, so I go to uh, deathwishinc.com, the the record label, and then I know that the band Converge is slash Converge. That's where I can get their tour dates, right? So I go there. My ISP can see that I've gone to deathwishinc.com slash Converge. Now, 
Sometimes you'll notice up in that string, you'll have a question mark and then a whole bunch of letters and numbers. Right. Those things, that's that stuff for the browser and the web page to communicate as to they came from here. So like they can kind of log, like it helps with uh, Google Analytics loves that stuff because then they can say, all right, you clicked it from here. You came from this. That was from Twitter. Um, but with a proper certificate, all that stuff after the question mark is hidden. Oh. Now, to go even further, go to start page. There's a start. So, so a great way to look at this is you go to Google and you type in your search result. You're going to see google.com slash blah, blah, blah. And then your search result shows up up there. Start page to startpage.com the entire time. They don't hmm. even serve up that. They don't even go as far as to put that up in there. So as far as your ISP is concerned, what they can see through that from the certificate is that you're on start page. That's it. Huh. So you spend all day on there. They just see, wow, Dan spends a lot of time on start page, but they can't <laughs> see what I'm doing there. Uh, yeah. Wow. And so they can see now, look, if I click a link and land on a page, now they can see that. Right. Right. Uh, but like I said, they have anonymous views. So if I, I'm not worried about them seeing that, I click that, it's gone. Um, I want to take the extra step. That's when you throw on that VPN and they can't see any of it. So I gotcha. click on I click on a link and I, my ISP is like, yes, he's not browsing today. So um so I want to like go through and kind of like checkpoint each as we go along, but we got a couple more bullet points to hit before we arrive at a sort of maybe a formula for best practices on how one would go about uh, obtaining an illegal abortion. Um, but I think we got to talk about email first. And you've already said don't use Gmail. I have like half a dozen Gmail accounts and um, it's on my phone. It's on my computer. It's like, you know, I mean, uh, so all the traffic I get is through Gmail at this point. Um, so I wonder, you know, it seems like uh, for the purposes that we're talking about today, one could just create a burner email, something you could throw away afterwards or delete afterwards. Um, but I think even if you did that, there would still be a record of your messages on that email provider's server. Um, so maybe ProtonMail might not do that, but are there any specific uh, email services you'd recommend for this sort of task? Yeah, so right off, I mean, I, you've got, and I'll throw a couple out there because I don't sure. work for Proton. So here I am like, I'm like, download ProtonMail, use code Arrow for 15% off. <laughs> I don't have a deal with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I use it, so I, I I only like to recommend stuff that I personally use or have used because I don't want to be like, hey, go use this thing, and then you have a terrible experience. Like uh, now, if I say go use it, you have a terrible experience, but I love it. Well, then, sorry, like we have difference of opinions here. But uh, like this Proton, I've used Startmail, which is owned by Startpage. Um, okay, very very, it's great service. Uh, it's fact, uh, Tutanota is another one. I think that's how you pronounce it. There's lots. Uh, and they're end-to-end -end encrypted. They're very secure. Um, and a lot of them, so like Startmail offers throwaway accounts. Cool. So you can actually go in and say like, you know what, I, I want to sign up for this service, but I don't want to give them my real email because once I kill it, I don't want to be on their mailing list. So you give them whatever you know address you want at startmail.com and it's a burner. And the second you're like, I am done with this, it can't stop. You just delete that email and now it no longer gets delivered to you. Now, yeah, there's a record if you're having it delivered because it's in your inbox. But if you're using Proton or Startmail or something like that, well, it's secure in there. As long as no one gets access to your device to get into your email, they can't see. 
So they can't say, well, we know that uh, Dan Arrow at startmail.com got this email because it started here. No. If I give them a burner email, they don't know where it lands. It mm-hmm. lands somewhere. And then once I delete it, it's gone. And they can't, if flaws are not in my account, I'm good. Uh, now, uh, Proton did just partner with a company called Simple Login. Same, same concept. It's, uh, they haven't rolled it out yet. So I haven't even used it in Proton yet. So I can't say like, it works great. Like, I haven't seen it. But Simple Mail as a standalone is a plugin that you use. That's the same thing. You tell them what your main email is, and then you run through burners when you need them. Uh, anyone that uses an iPhone has the same feature with like the, the new iCloud uh, email thing. You go to sign up for an account, you can say, you know, use iCloud, but you can tell it to use a generic address, and you'll notice it's like ZW9 plus 421 at iCloud.com is hiding your email. Now, obviously, that's not as secure as others. But it's a way to hide your email and you can kill the address. Uh, Firefox owns one called Firefox Relay, where it's a little plugin. You just go, you have your account. And I use, so I moved recently and used it to sign up for um, different services to try to find the right movers. I needed movers to help because I couldn't lift everything. Bro, I'm still getting emails and, from those fucks. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I set up Firefox burner accounts and I signed up for the different services, typed in the info I needed. And then I was like, here's your quote, here's your quote, here's your quote, here's your quote. And as soon as I was like, you know what? I found who I want, I killed all those burners. Cool. Um, none, they can't spam me anymore because for some reason, after you move, they want to keep telling you, hey, next time you move, and you're like, dude, I just yeah, did. Yeah, like, I, I just moved. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, not moving again. <laughs> I've done moving, man. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the next logical question with email, man, is like if I sign up for uh, Start Mail or something to that end, uh, is all of that for not if I'm emailing like uh, illegal abortion provider at gmail.com or something, right? A bit, yeah. yeah so right. okay. the, the, the real truth with email, and um, it sucks, is that don't email something to somebody that you don't want to get out. Because, I mean, look, we could both be on Proton and you yeah. can email me and I can print it. Sure. I can right. screenshot it. There's nothing secure about it outside of the feds can't come get it. So we're both in agreement here that we're not working with the feds here, but, uh, and we trust each other and we both follow through on our word. Oh, we're good there. Like no one can come through. But, uh, if you're like, Ooh, I have this hot anonymous tip and you send it to, you're supposed to send it to Jane Smith at gmail.com and you trust her, but you type in Jane Smith and then you actually hit the wrong character somewhere and it goes to somebody else. It's over. You, there's no, there's yeah. nothing secure about it. Uh, or she gets compromised. You're like, I trust her. She's good. And then they come down and they're like, Hey, we'll, we'll wreck your family. If you don't print these emails. Yeah. Like, yeah. Case in point, man. Uh, I've been getting emails for Jules Taylor wine out of new England, <laughs> or out of New Zealand rather. And, um, these are emails meant for Jules Taylor, which is like, it's supposed to be, I guess her email is Jules Taylor at Jules Taylor.com. Don't, don't spam her listeners. Um, but if you have to, sure. Um, you know, cause I've just for like a decade, I've been getting emails meant for her, uh, people asking to borrow her plane receipts for like 60 grand worth of wine glasses and stuff. And, and these are all like, I mean, these are messages that aren't entirely compromising, but, um, but it just goes to show like the, the slip of a character sort of thing can sort of you know, send your email somewhere you don't want it to go. Um, and I, and you're right, man. Like if you, 
emailing back and forth. I mean, the E in email stands for evidence. So if you think of it as like <laughs> evidence mail, you know, yeah. at least that's the way I've always thought of it when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. All right. So a couple more things here. Um, I, I don't know how much you know about like period tracking apps, but I know a lot of women use these things. And in the event of an unexpected pregnancy, I would think those apps would be a huge privacy liability. Um, do you happen to know of any privacy driven period tracking apps um, I think there's one called Yuki, E-U-K-I, um, but I wonder like how effective these apps are uh, towards hiding your data. So I, I think it's Yuki as well. I may be totally off here. Um, that's okay. what I gathered. To me, this is like the perfect example of what a privacy app should look like. Like I couldn't think of something like they have that um if you if you go to their website and i actually left it open because i need cool. to make sure i could like reference just how great it is is like they're very clear so like first things first you do have to trust these companies you can't just be like oh well they they said it on their website now privacy policies are actually legally binding so if mm. uh i found out that you he said hey in our privacy policy we do all these things to protect your data and then they violated it well i've got legal recourse there you put up the idea that you do this and now you're not following through. I can hold you accountable to that. So that's, that, that is a good thing. Uh, knowing the country that they're in can be helpful because privacy laws vary from place to place. But when you have a Yuki um, privacy policy plus their privacy FAQ, like you're going through exactly what you want to see from a company that's going to be holding uh, important data because it says, you know, right away, who can see my data? And it says only you. Uh, and that's because the way this app is built, they're actually not storing anything on their app, on their side. There's mm. no server that has your data in it. So if I delete the app off my phone, it's gone. That's where it exists in the app. And when it's off my, when that app's gone, everything I've done in there is deleted. So if I had the app and I was tracking and I realized, oh no, like I've decided I'm going to get an abortion. Uh, and then you get that feeling like, oh no, I might be in trouble here. Someone's uh, upset. Delete the app. It's gone. All the evidence of it is 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 done. Yeah, I bet they could probably go in your app store account and see you downloaded it and deleted it, but that's not against the law. Like, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I downloaded it. It didn't work for me. I got rid of it. Uh, and that's what they say. Where's the data stored? And they said we have no backend system. They're being very upfront and spelling out exactly what they have. Uh, that you set a passcode. So like, uh, and if we have a lot of apps like this, but your passcode to get into your um, phone you set a separate one to get into their app you don't give them an email address so you're not even giving them your personal information so they don't wow. know a thing and then this really i loved it when i saw it is that they have a fake code so let's say you were busted let's say someone grabbed you and they said we know you've done this new no i didn't and they get your phone and i'll touch on uh, this part of the, the phones in a minute because i think it's important to bring up i don't want to miss it um sure but they get into it so, you know, your phone's locked and they somehow get it open and they say, you have Yuki right there on your phone and they click it and they go, put your code in and you, maybe you don't know legally, you don't have to put your code in, but go ahead, type in zero, 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 zero. And Yuki shows all fake information. Oh, wow. And you have control of what that fake information looks like. So when you're setting up your phone, you can say, oh, I wanted to say this, I wanted to have this info and customize it so that maybe you could feel more comfortable about what's in there when you're talking to them. So you, it's not obvious that you're lying, but you have control over that. So you can now 
you're like, there it goes. And it just has everything looking as you would want. So they can't say anything to you. Uh, and so to me, like they, they've built an app that says like, look, we know that there's a purpose there, th- These apps need to exist. Uh, people that are tracking their periods need them and we want to offer this and we're going to do it in the most secure private to you only way. And then they spelled it out on their website and two things come of that. Number one, they have a strong privacy policy, which again, I said legally binding. Number two, you got to look at like, I don't know if they make money. I don't know what their financial thing is, but a lot of these companies, they have a financial incentive to be true to their word because Let's say it is like there is things in the app that you could decide to purchase or they have a way of making money. That would all be gone if it was found out that they actually will sell your data off in a heartbeat. Uh, People ask me why I have any trust for Apple sometimes. Look, I don't trust Apple, but Apple positions themselves as more private than their competitor. If it comes out that they're not, that's a whole business side of their whole marketing strategy that goes out the window. So like, like, no. I don't sit there and think I can do anything I want on my Apple phone because they said privacy was important. But I know that certain things I do on there aren't being sold for ads. I it's like so private to the extent of I'm not the commodity to the outside world. I'm the commodity to Apple. And mm-hmm. I have to by buying an Apple product, I have to then agree that okay, I'm willing to be that to you to use your product. Uh I'm entering into that with you, but you can't sell my crap. They have an incentive not to, because once they do, well, then why not just go get an Android? It's way cheaper right. uh, and way more apps. Like, I'm just going to go sure. do that. Like, what what makes you different? And hmm. it can't just be anymore that we're Apple and we have that. So you do. There's there's that balance. Like, they have an incentive to be more private, but not the most. They have right. an interest to be secure because they don't want their data being leaked and they don't want people hacking them, but. Uh, I really did, I did want to jump back. I, this was important to me, and I wrote yeah, it down on my notes sure. earlier. Uh, your phone being locked. Uh, if you're ever arrested for anything, I mean, for uh, abortion, for protesting, for literally anything, uh, if you have Face ID on, they can unlock your phone. They can actually take your phone, hold it in front of your face, and swipe up. They're not breaking the law. They cannot tell you to type in your code. So... Hmm. If you have your passcode on there, they can't say, type it in. You have a legal obligation. You have no legal obligation to actually take your finger and type in that code and unlock your phone for them. And an iPhone, and, and this as most Android, or you can set it up on Android, your phone is encrypted. So when my phone is locked right now, it's encrypted. They can't plug in and just get data off it. The encryption is unlocked when I use my face or my code. Uh, face ID is super convenient. We all love it. It's, I mean, what could be easier than looking at it and then having your phone unlocked, but know where you're going. Know what you're like, look, if I've decided, Hey, you know what? There's going to be a, a, a BLM protest today and I'm going to go join it. You better believe face ID comes off my phone like that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you turn your phone off and back on face ID doesn't work. Right. Uh, you know, I, we will not go into the story in detail, but years ago I knew the feds were on their way to talk mm. to me. Yeah. And now look, I knew what my plan was to talk to them. Uh, you know, I, yeah, good luck. Yeah, sure. But yeah. first thing I did, turn my phone off. Right. Right. Uh, and that wasn't because I thought they were to grab it, but if they did, it was off. They turned it back on. My face ID doesn't work. 
Yeah. And they can't compel you to like uh, compel a code out of you or a pattern to my understanding, Correct. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just basically your face unlocks it. You need to be aware that your face can unlock it. Uh, right. So like if, I mean, anytime I feel like I'm going somewhere and, and the funny part is, is for me, there is nothing on the, like, I'll hand you my phone right now. Right. There's nothing on this phone that I don't, you can't see. Sure. But I don't care. They don't have the right to it. That's mine. Yeah. Uh, and so I take those steps. Like, look, I knew they were coming to my place. I knew why they were coming. They were upset. I, I more details than I thought I was sure. like, look, I tweeted AOC asking what she was going to do about kids in cages. And someone reported me to the FBI. Mm, mm. Like I didn't, I didn't even say like, <sighs> I'm going to, I said, what are you going to do about this? Cause she was yeah. there touring it. And someone yeah. was like, that's threatening. And the FBI, I mean, I look, I don't like them, yeah. but I get it. They're following, they're, they're following, they're up, following yeah. up on a tip. They, they have to. And so, but on, they're on their way. And I'm like, oh, that really, like, that's what I'm dealing with today. But yeah, phone went off. Like, uh, that's just common sense as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Uh, but I don't know people don't know that they think, well, you can't compel me to hold it. They can, they can hold it right up to your face and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I get pulled over, I, I restart my phone. You know, yeah. just as like, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the best thing to do. I mean, I, I turn the, uh, the overhead lights on, I keep my hands on the steering wheel and I ask permission to move my hands or something like that, you know? Right. And if they compel the phone out of me, then I know they can't, uh, compel a code or a pattern. And, and that seems to be, uh, uh, a logical way to go about it. Um, but yeah, I think that that folds over into what we're talking about for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I, okay. So. As far as text messages use signal, as far as apps are concerned, turn off location services and GPS stuff. Um, as far as payment history, use Visa gift cards if you must, or cash if you uh, have to. Maybe the most least traceable way to do it would be cash. Uh, use a VPN. Uh, use Start Page in anonymous viewing. Uh, use Start Mail uh, or Proton mail, maybe, um, for email and uh and Yuki because they have a strong policy, uh strong privacy policy. Uh do you want to add anything to that list or do uh, you have any further advice of what one might need to do to obtain a, an illegal abortion? Uh, yeah, so I have um I have a checklist. Like okay, cool. It. So awesome. Um, I haven't I have so I have I run, I mentioned earlier, but the privacy site that I run, it's yeah. called Think Privacy. Uh, the domain is thinkprivacy.ch. And on there, I have what's called a privacy checklist. So you can go on there and search. Like, I want to know what the best email to use for privacy is. And I have that. But I wanted to make one page that just listed out, here's some key things that everyone can do just to be more private. This is across the board. This is a Roby Wade. This is, I just want to make sure that these companies don't know much about me and other people can't get access to my info. I don't want to get hacked. I don't want people breaking into my stuff. And so I was actually like, there's only a couple here. So I'm going to run through them real quick. Cool. I think awesome. they're, not, like, they're good. Yeah. Um, update your software. First and foremost, you know, we get those pop-ups on our computer that say there's a software update and we go later, 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 later. We do it to our phones. Uh, the reason that they're being updated for the most part, other than feature upgrades that we all know about, like when we get like, Ooh, the new iOS is out. Uh, they're security bugs. They've found a vulnerability and they're patching it. A lot hmm. of these updates are security updates. You'll even see it on, on the Mac OS. It will say there's a security update. Do you want to install it? 
they know there's a bug out there. Once they release that update, they've acknowledged it. So if I'm law enforcement and I know iOS 15.1 has a vulnerability that lets me get into it, I'm going to exploit that every time I get a hold of someone's phone and I need to get in info and they won't give me their code. I'm just going to exploit it. Yeah. That's uh, so run your updates because that, that makes it so much harder to get into your computer, to get into your phone, to get into any, any device you have, keep it up to date because that's patching up those security holes. Uh, that goes to your browser, update your browser, update all these things. Cause you're just, they're patching security. Uh, I, I mentioned this already, but change your search engine. Mm. Bing, Google, Yahoo, all, I, I think I jokingly mentioned AltaVista earlier. I don't think they exist anymore, <laughs> but like, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, they're not privacy respecting search engines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but start page, DuckDuckGo, um, Ecosia, there's, there's, I can list a couple. I mean, there's, there's, they're out there and they care about privacy and they all vary on the degree of how great of the results they are. Uh, I said I recommend start page because you get those Google quality results privately. Uh, sounds like an ad. I'll admit I do write blogs for start page. Uh, they pay, I, I, they give me technology things that they want to answer and I write blog posts for them. Uh, cool. and I, I like, I like their products. So I do, um, use a password manager. Mm. I don't know how guilty you are of this, but how many people out there listening can say, oh yeah, my password for Gmail, my password for Facebook, my password for Netflix, they're the same. Yeah. And then you get that notification that, you know, Netflix has been compromised to change your password. Then you go change 50 passwords and you forget half of them. And then suddenly you're like, Oh, someone's trying to reset this password because they're, they've got your name off a list and they're trying to get in. Uh, I mean, done to my head. I couldn't tell you what my password for Facebook is. Wow. Wow. I don't know. It's stored in a password manager. It's 22 characters long and it's random. I don't know what my password manager. And if that gets hacked, I have to change one password. I do not recycle a single password anywhere. And I have one, so you have, you have one thing called a master password. That's how you get into your password manager. Yeah. If that's compromised, I change my, I change that. Uh, I think I have to use a password like, manager. I'm very guilty of all the stuff you're mentioning. <laughs> um, like really guilty. Like, uh, you know, people look to me for like technology and I work in technology, you know, um, but I'm the guy that like will use his last four of his social at times and, you know, <laughs> like stuff like that. That's just like, or I'll just, instead of like changing my password, I'll just add like one or two special characters to the end of it. Yep. So, yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we've all been there. Uh, <laughs> now that I've switched to a password manager, my life is even easier because I just, I log onto a site and I just click the thing that puts the password in. And if I need to change it, it takes two seconds. And, but now I know like, Oh my God, Amazon got hacked again mm-hmm. and their passwords are all leaked. Uh, I said Amazon, I actually meant Adobe because they seem to happen the most, but um, <laughs> like, <laughs> those fuckers, uh, I, they went I, to I subscription, one... no mercy, dude. Yeah. Right. I, um, but I have one password to worry about and I don't have to think, Oh no, now they have my email and password to my bank account. Right. They don't because there's would, a different, would uh, you recommend a specific password manager? I love Bitwarden. Okay. Uh, cool. it's free. You can pay for it. There, there are features you can pay for, but the basic features of password management unlimited against across multiple devices is free. Uh, Gotcha. If you're really a security nut and you want to be extra safe, you can actually download Bitwarden and store it on your own 
server if you know how to run one. Okay. So yeah. if you don't even want Bitwarden servers to have the info, you can run it yourself. Yeah. Uh, wow. If you have the if you have the knowledge. Um, cool. After that, it's two-factor authentication. Mm. You should not be logging into a website with just your username and password. There needs to be a step in between, and it needs to be a six-digit code generally, and it needs to be um, on an app base, not text, because they all offer text. We'll text you the code, and you enter it in. Uh, you want the app, so that way you have to unlock the app, go into it, and get the code. And that way there's no interception of a text coming through. It's all locked into an app. Uh, and there's, I mean, I the most popular obviously is terrible is Google authenticator. Uh, but mm. there's a lot of options, uh, for, for secure, safe password managers. I use one, I believe it's called Regis. Uh, there's, or Ravo. I, I switch one. So I like a test app for my site. I'm always switching cool. by the next cool thing I'm onto it. But, uh, Ravo I've used for a couple of years. It worked really good. Uh, but there's a lot of password managers and, or I'm sorry, two factor authentication. And if you do use Google's, it's honestly, it's better than not using one. So if, if gotcha. Google Authenticator is the easiest one for you to use, dude, go for it because they're not giving out your code. It's still a secure. One thing about Google is while they're not private, they're very secure. They're hard. You don't hear stories about Google being hacked and all their passwords getting leaked. There's a reason yeah. for that. They're yeah. very secure. They're just not private. They don't care about your privacy. Um, but yeah, two-factor authentication is huge. Use encrypted email. We've talked about this a few times on here, but start mail, proton mail, sure. uh, you know, use encrypted, use encrypted messenger signal. Uh, again, the big one. Uh, and there's, like I said, there's many others. And on my site, you can click on more if you want to see what they look like. Uh, use a VPN. We've been through this. Uh, always back up your data. Um, and when I, when I say that, that's a, that's a thing of, Okay, so iCloud. Yeah. We talked about our phones being encrypted. iCloud's not. Hmm. It's stored at Apple encrypted on their server, but not to you. Like, you aren't the only one that can unlock it. Anybody can. But I keep my stuff backed up on something called NextCloud, which is like a, it's like a Dropbox, but it's, it's cool. encrypted. It's private. Uh, because what you don't want is uh, to always lose everything. Like, Privacy is great. Security is great. But you don't want to sit there and every single time you think, like, I'm going to a protest, I delete everything I have and start over. Right. Like, right. Store yourself somewhere secure where only you can access it, but back it up because it is good to have it. And there's things that I don't want to back up, you know, yeah. If, yeah. and I don't back them up. Like, there's things I think need to go every time I want them to go. Uh, sure. But uh, a good secure end to end backup. Uh, and again, on my site, I have other recommendations. If you next cloud, you have to host yourself. You do have to go in and install it. There are companies that do it a little bit more pricey, but uh, yeah. I give options. So, quick uh, question about, on the uh, yeah. on the cloud storage stuff because I know that like within uh, say Microsoft OneDrive, there's a personal vault that's inside yeah. of that. And I wonder, like, are, are those any more effective at uh, privacy, or is it just a matter of like a code? That is, uh, that's the extent of it, basically. It is, so, that's a, a, almost a trick question, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not meant to be one. Um, it is, it is private. Microsoft isn't looking at it. It's, it is yours, but you don't really have, but again, uh, it comes down, and it's very secure. I will say Microsoft, Google, these companies, they build a secure as hell product. 
They know how to lock down. You don't hear about huge Microsoft leaks for a reason. Yeah. They have a great team of people who are building secure product. The thing is, is that they aren't immune to a subpoena Mm, because mm, you don't own the key to that encryption. They're on encrypted servers, so I can't easily hack that server, but they can be legally compelled to unlock it and give out that data. Gotcha. So, you know, that's, and that comes out, you brought up what you bring up is called threat modeling. Like every person has to decide what am I, what am I storing? What am I giving up? And, And what, what's it? risk so like i just mentioned a minute ago i don't know my facebook password the privacy guy over here has a facebook account one of the least private sites on the planet now i the story behind me using it is my dad passed away and i'm the legacy holder of his account and my family loves to go on there and leave things it also keeps me connected with people that i would lose connection with and so to me my threat model is what i'm doing on facebook violating what threats I possibly potentially have and what I'm willing to give and give up to use it. Uh, you know, I doubt Edward Snowden has a Facebook page. His threat model is much more defined than mine. He has to be very much, here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what's at risk. Here's the steps I have to take to do it. Mine is really, I'm tired of getting ads and I don't want these companies to know everything to know about me. And then I have to decide, okay, you know what? I'm willing to give up a little bit for this convenience in my life, or I'm not willing to give up this. Gotcha. And if that ever changes, then the Facebook's got to go, things locked down. You know, you have to you have to know where your threat model is. And a lot of privacy people love to think they're all Edward Snowden. And so they they run this world where they they work in this lockdown world, but then they don't enjoy everything. Like the internet right. offers us a lot of and there's a lot of great stuff on the internet. Technology is awesome. You just got to know what you're giving and taking and what you're willing to give up and not. Um, the problem that we face is that right now, all privacy is opt out when it should, everything should be opted. Yes. I'm I, when, when you go to Facebook, you should be, it should be very clear. I am going, they are going to have this info and it's buried in a privacy policy, but we should go through steps where you say, Nope, I, you cannot know my address. No, you cannot share this. No, you cannot do that. Instead, you have to try to get rid of all that after the fact. Uh, and so that's, we live in that like opt-in or opt-out world where we should live in an opt-in world where I say, yes, I am willing to give you this info for your service or nope, if you need that, I'm not willing. And I walk away. Uh, yeah. And my last two were use a longer pin. So we talked about using pins on your phone, that four digit pin. Well, that's super easy to remember. Yeah. Make it six to eight. Go longer. Sure. The longer it is, the harder it is for someone to get into. Because you're right. How many people do use the last four of their social as their uh yeah. their pin? Like yeah. it's that simple because it's a number that you know, it's a number that you're gonna remember. Um but so people are gonna start guessing that right away. Yeah. That's the first thing you're gonna check. Someone knows your social, they're going for it. Uh they'll use like birth dates, all those things. So number one, mix it up, use something different, but use something longer because four is a lot easier to guess than six or eight. Right, like, right. Uh, and then the very last one, this sounds as simple as can be, but it's use common sense. Like, just think before you, like, and I, I say this about Twitter. I say this about Facebook. I say this about everything. Before I post something, I have to think. I stop and think. Am I giving up personal info that I don't want people to know? Am I saying something that crosses a legal line? 
Am I saying something that can get me in trouble? Am I saying something that can get me in trouble at work, at home, anywhere? Like, it's we just got to think. So when you're downloading an app, think, do I need this? And what privacy risks I have? So if you're talking about this, you know, world post Roe v. Wade, and you're like, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to go to a clinic. I'm going to research this thing. Stop, pause just for a second and think, if I use this app, who would know? If I type this into Google, who would know? If I send this text using my phone's messenger and not signal, who can know? Just think those things through before you do them. And that's going to add a world of security because then at that point, you're taking into that account like, nope, this is fine. I can send this. Or, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm going to jump in signal real fast here gotcha. because better safe than sorry. But, you know, common sense goes a long way because I think sometimes we just react or someone's like, dude, you download that new game on your phone. It's so much fun. And you download it. And it's like, we need access to your contacts. And you're like, this is a game. Why do you need access to my contacts? Well, I want to play. Yep. And then yeah, suddenly I mean, like they're harvesting everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, it goes back to maybe the beginning of our conversation when you mentioned Cambridge Analytica and about how, uh, you know, those games that people were playing in like 2015 or so, or not even games. They were like, uh, they were like, "We'll tell you something about your personality or something." You answer, a few yeah, questions like survey and then, kind of stuff, yeah, yeah, survey stuff, you know. And that stuff, you know, came back to haunt us and and was used to uh, drive division in society. Uh, you know, it, yeah, you gotta stop doing these surveys on Facebook. Whether you're, I mean, it, it's gotta stop, man. Like it, it recently, I know people have been doing this sort of cartoonish portrait of their profile pictures. And I'm like, Jesus, dude, did we not learn anything from Cambridge <laughs> Analytica? Like, everybody's doing this. And, uh, and I think even when somebody went as far as to, like, track an IP address down to Russia or something, which was, you know, it made too much sense. Um, but I, yeah, I just, common sense is understated in this entire conversation. So I do appreciate you bringing up the common sense aspect at the end of your checklist there. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even now, it's like, even though I, I, I try to... Uh, you know, assert common sense before I post, uh, anytime I apply for a new job, I'm like, Oh God, are they going to check my Twitter account? Cause I've said some shit on there or something, you know? Um, do I need to go private on Twitter? Do I need to, uh, uh, comb through all of my Facebook history or something? Uh, so yeah, common sense is, is definitely an understated, but important aspect of this conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I used, you brought, you reminded me like, so I, you know, go enjoy looking at my, um, my my uh, Twitter account. You're going back about two weeks. Uh, my mm. I have my set to auto delete my tweets. Wow, regularly. Um, so I use an app. Uh, Michael Lee from The Intercept uh, uh -huh. made an app made an app called Semi Femoral, and uh, it uh, you go in there and you set the dates and the parameters that you want things deleted, and like every two weeks it just wipes my Twitter. Wow. Like from like two weeks back. So like basically my Twitter only goes back about, you know, I can set 30 days. I can set a year if I want. Uh, I can say if this tweet goes viral, don't delete. It. So it has more than a hundred likes or more than a thousand likes or retweets, leave it and leave the whole thread that's attached to it. Things like that. Like he really made a really great app. Um, but it made me think I used an app called jumbo and, okay. uh, it is a data protection app where I can go in and, it, uh, Everything lives in the app. 
So nothing, it's one of those apps where like it's nothing's on the server. So like if I give it access to my Twitter account, my password and all that stuff is stored on the phone, not in their server. So it can't come out of there. Oh, wow. Um, I can set it. So um, my Facebook Messenger deletes every two weeks. Ooh. I'm not even using anything nefarious in there. I just don't want it's it's um, for me it's almost like a cleanup like yeah we're not talking about this thing from then go away like it's gone yeah, uh, yeah i put all my email addresses i have in here and it lets me know if any of them show up on a uh uh hacked list so like that i i've been pwned uh like website it checks that list and sees if, as to see if i've been added to it and if i have it alerts me that hey your email's been compromised like, you know heads up get, get a work on that um it can it can help monitor online tracking from like LinkedIn and Instagram, all these things. It's it's great. And I so I really highly recommend it as a great tool to help clean up uh your social. But like, no, I'm the same way. Like I'm going to get um a job. I'm like, everything's on lockdown. Um yeah. I get yeah. I get background checked every couple of years for USA hockey. I have a hockey coach and I'm, I'm right, pretty right. public about it, so nothing no one knows. But uh sure. look, they they're they're not checking my Twitter account. I get so nervous every time I apply. I'm like, <laughs> I, my background couldn't be better. And I must like lock my account down. Like, yeah. But, uh, yeah. because like we're just, we're so conditioned to do that. But like, uh, but no, you're right. Like, so I love, like, look, things I tweeted two years ago, I might not still believe. Sure. Especially sure. things I tweeted 10 years ago. You started off talking about my work of secular activism through now. 10, 15 years ago, I was that asshole because <laughs> I think people go through a phase. Like when you, when you're, when you're realizing that religion has done you harm or something, you go through a, I hate religion. And then you kind of grow up. Yeah, Dawkins yeah. and Harrison have never really grew out of it. They just turned it into white nationalism. Uh, sure. But like I went through that when I'm like, and so I'm, I am softer on my, my views. Look, I don't love religion. I'm still an atheist. I still uh, have a lot of critiques. I'm still a secular activist because, you know, I don't think nations should be theocracies, but sure. the way I think about them has matured over time and changed and uh, they don't match things I may have tweeted years ago. And so uh, while I will never shy, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, why did you say this? I'd love to have a conversation about things like that because I want to talk about how I grew and why I changed. But those are also things that are consistently used against us. And yeah. use against you, and they shouldn't represent you because we all grow and mature and change. And so, I love the fact that my old tweets just go away because then it's just like, oh, phew, that oh, that thing I said was so dumb. Like, and they don't have to be hurtful; they can just be stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used yeah, to say man. how much I hated cheesecake, and now I love cheesecake. But those <laughs> tweets are gone, thankfully. <laughs> There's no proof. I've always loved cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, Dan, this has been an enlightening conversation, and I feel like my entire computer system is horribly insecure now. Uh, <laughs> I feel like my ISP knows everything about me, and I feel like whatever phone I come in proximity with is going to be triangulated to, you know, develop some sort of profile about me. Um, but you know, I hope that listeners have taken in this conversation and have become more aware of the sort of always present danger of your information being lifted and used for uh, purposes that you would never approve of. And uh, if you do have to get an illegal abortion, I hope that this uh, conversation can be of service towards your privacy, towards uh, covering your tracks 
And I hope that this can uh, uh, maybe leave people, uh, you know, if you have to have an abortion uh, and it is made illegal, I hope that you can go through that process with a bit of concern alleviated out of your mind uh, because it's a digital world out there. And it is, uh, I think at one point we all just kind of, I don't know, like we all sort of, uh, we didn't really verbalize it, but we all kind of agreed to trade privacy for convenience. Um, and it was only after we became ensnared within this entire digital trap, uh, where everything's being monitored and tracked that some of us are poking our heads up saying, you know what, this isn't right. And we never explicitly agreed to this, even though we clicked on the terms and services and stuff. Um, so yeah. And, and like I said, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. I just didn't know exactly what I could bring you on to talk about because I knew you were pivoting towards digital privacy. And um, it, it's through this conversation that I've developed sort of an interest in, in this topic now. Um, so I so appreciate you hanging out and talking to us for a while, Dan. Uh, where can we, <laughs> after all this talk about digital privacy, I'm about to ask you where we can find you online. <laughs> where can we find you? <laughs> uh, uh, stop finding me you can't find me anywhere uh, <laughs> no. you can find me on all the most privacy invasive uh websites out there so uh, please. <laughs> uh i'm most active on twitter obviously so at dan errol uh over at twitter i'm i'm pretty active there uh that's really the biggest social thing i use uh, i do love mastodon twitter alternative uh so if you are a mastodon user you can find me at uh at Dan Errol at Mastodon.technology. A little long, not the most uh, user-friendly of usernames, but if you're a Mastodon user, I'm over there. Uh, just, it's just a Twitter alternative. Um, and honestly, go to thinkprivacy.ch. Uh, you know, all the different things we talked about, I have them spelled out in much longer detail there. So if you're looking for an email provider and price is an option, I've got from free to expensive. If you're looking what's the best search engine what's the best messenger and you don't want to use signal for some reason i have other alternatives and most importantly on there my contact info especially cool. if you know if, if we're talking roe v wade and you just want advice on an app please email me awesome. I, I can't guarantee i can get back to you within 10 minutes but i will get back to you and if you have a question about a privacy policy send it in there i'm happy to comb through it real quick and look for those red flags that uh are out there and uh if you go if you go to the start page blog i actually just published one about red flags in privacy policies to look for mm. so like if you like uh i wish i had the link handier but um if you're like you know looking for you know i'm looking at a privacy policy they're long they're confusing on purpose what should i look for in one well i, I wrote about it uh, but please reach out like especially especially when we're talking roe v wade any any help i can be i mean i got two dudes sitting out here talking about uh abortion rights but you know we're i think we're coming at it from the angle of like we're here to help and uh i want to make uh people f as safe as possible so uh if we can't stop this then we have to we have to work together to, to make sure people are having safe uh access uh to abortions and any medical procedures or needs they have. So if you have a question revolving around that, send it to me. You're sending it to Proton. So know that it's in my hands. It's secure. Uh, they can't see it on my end and I will help you find the best apps 
you know, you don't, don't go send me personal info. Don't, don't send it out. Don't give it to anybody. But if you, if you want advice on an app, you want, you know, I don't know what the best email is. Let me know. I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. I think we both uh, came to this conversation in the spirit of like, uh, yeah, we are two dudes sitting around talking about abortion rights, but it's also, we're both trying to do what we can to help who we can. Um, so in the interest of alleviating, uh, some form of suffering out of this or to try to make things better or, um, just cope with the current conditions. Um, I think that's, that's how we came to this conversation and I appreciate you. Um, I knew that you would be a person who would want to have a conversation in that spirit too. So I, I just thank you for hanging out and for talking to me about this stuff today. Uh, Dan Arl is an author. He is a former podcaster. He is a digital privacy expert and, um, I'm going to leave links to his Twitter and to his website in the show notes. Thanks so much, Dan. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.